everyone, and welcome to Mutual Run-Ins with Nature. In this podcast, we'll talk about different ecosystems and what they might look like to you as you go out and explore. Hey everyone, in this episode, we'll explore an ecosystem that has both land and water resources. It supports a diverse group of plant and animal species across its many different forms. Can you think of what it is? It's the wetland. So get ready to get your shoes muddy because it's time to adventure. There are several definitions out there for wetlands. This is mainly because they can appear a little bit differently depending on where you are. However, at its simplest form, a wetland is a place where land is covered by water, either salt or fresh water or a combination of the two. Can you again think of what this might look like? Well, here in North America, you're likely to experience wetlands in the form of swamps, bogs, or marshes usually near larger aquatic habitats like rivers or lakes or oceans even. Small ponds and the edges of those larger bodies of water can also be included as wetlands. Regardless of the definition though, you're gonna run across a common feature and that's water. Because wetlands aren't classified as entirely aquatic ecosystems like their freshwater and marine counterparts, life in these habitats must adapt to both land and water elements. Wetland plants, such as water lilies, lack some of the support structures that you find in other plants. This accounts for the support that the plants receive from the water itself, allowing them to float right on top. Other wetland plants have adapted to the underwater life, and they are submerged entirely. For instance, a plant called water stargrass looks like a grassy freshwater version of seaweed, and it sometimes breaches the water's surface during summer months when it blooms with a yellow star-shaped flower. The plants I just mentioned, water lilies and water stargrass, well, they account for two different types of plants within wetlands, floating and submerged plants. Both of these plant types must deal with a lesser amount of something that's really important to plants, sunlight. Submerged plants, well, they lose sunlight when it's broken up by the water's surface and then scattered through the cloudy waters below. Floating plants, they must deal with their sunlight broken up by the plants on the edge of the water, which are known as emergent plants. Emergent plants typically have bountiful sunlight on the water's edge, but they have to adapt to a messier situation, the soil. Wetland soil is known as hydric soil, meaning permanently or temporarily covered by water, and that limits how much oxygen is in there. The plants that live here typically have strong, deep roots that help dig into the shallow, saturated soil, and it keeps them from sliding into the nearby water, too. One species of emergent plant that may be familiar to you is the cattail, which kind of looks like a corndog on a stick, but definitely don't try a bite. Other common emergent wetland plants include sedges, which are grass-like bushes with long, sharp-edged leaves flowing out of the middle, kind of like a fountain and it provides a suitable habitat for many rare animal species. And, funny as it sounds, one common wetland plant isn't exactly a plant at all. Algae, which you may have seen on the sides of an aquarium before, are a member of the plant kingdom, but they don't have roots, stems, or leaves like other plants. Don't be alarmed, though, if you see a green layer of algae hanging over your local wetland. Algae may represent a healthy ecosystem, actually and it acts as a source of nutrients across the entire food web. All of the species we've just discussed are known as hydrophytes, or water-loving plants, and they provide places for shelter, eating, and breeding for many different animal species. 
But before we get to wetland animals, do you remember the term indicator species from earlier? Well, you're probably more likely to find all of the awesome wetland plants on your journey than seeing some of those quick creatures we're about to discuss. So in the case of indicator species, cattails or water lilies are a great bet that you're in a wetland, as these plants don't tend to appear in any other type of habitat. Now, let's talk animals. Like wetland plants, the species found here cover a wide spectrum in the animal kingdom. They've also had to adapt to the watery landscape here in order to reap all the benefits that wetlands provide. Some species, like ducks, now require wetlands for their survival, so we must do everything we can to protect these areas. The duck you're most likely to see here in North America is the mallard, with the male of this species easily identified by his green-headed neck. Wetlands also provide perfect habitat conditions for amphibians, with 190 different species identified so far in the wetlands across America. Frogs and toads carry out a risky reproductive routine in wetlands, where they lay their eggs in seasonal wetlands when they temporarily swell with water during rainy months. The success of these eggs, which hatch into tadpoles, is heavily dependent on the weather, which presents a risk for the future of some of these amphibian species as changing climate creates more unpredictable weather patterns. Some of those tadpoles never make it in the frogs and toads, and instead they serve as food for other species, like turtles. You may see these shell-wearing reptiles either swimming in the water or hanging out on land. Turtles face a lot of different threats in our wetlands today, so like all of the plant and animal species we discuss, you want to give turtles their space and try not to disrupt them too much. Turtles play a critical role in these ecosystems, enhancing nutrients and biodiversity, and they even disperse plant seeds through their movement. Turtles help keep our wetland waters clean, which also helps sustain another organism, the dragonfly. Dragonfly larvae, which are called nymphs, are aquatic, with some species spending up to five years underwater before becoming adults. These nymphs serve as an important food source for some fish and other insectivores, or insect-eating animals. And the adult dragonflies, well, they help us all out by keeping mosquito populations at bay through their cool aerial hunting techniques. If there's one animal that impacts wetlands in a way unlike any other, though, it's the beaver, which has the ability to create wetlands in their entirety. Beaver dams transform and connect existing water systems, creating new ponds as a result, earning beavers the nickname of ecosystem engineers. And they earn a title that should be familiar to you, keystone species. Beavers were once killed in the past for their fur and continue to be lethally managed today by wildlife control, but messages of coexistence have begun to persist throughout American communities. So if you see one of North America's largest rodents on your wetland adventure, be sure to take note of all the other species living successfully around it as a result. At the end of the day though, if not for the sake of all these cool plants and animals that we've just discussed, wetlands need our help because we need wetlands. Wetlands provide so many beneficial ecosystem services for surrounding communities, including flood control, along with filtering water and cycling nutrients. Seasonal wetlands, well, they help absorb heavy rainfall and slow floodwaters down, protecting surrounding communities from further damage. 
Although some of your friends may think of wetlands as muggy and mosquito-filled, now that you know the truth about wetlands, go ahead and share it with everyone. Now that you might know a little more about this ecosystem than you did earlier, we hope you take some time to enjoy the scavenger hunt that we've put together. And be sure to ask your family, friends, and neighbors to join in on the fun. Thanks again for listening to Mutual Run-Ins with Nature. Now, it's time to explore. <laughs>